0: All right, I'll invite you all to stand as we read the passage for this morning. We're going to read it all out loud together. It's printed in your bulletin if you don't have the ESV translation with you. So the first one is John 5, 24 to 29, and then after that we'll read 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So let's read it together. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: We're so dependent on you for everything. And now as we come to hear from your word, we depend on you. Lord, we don't just want concepts to make sense to our minds, but we want that truth to take a hold of, of our hearts and to work itself out into the way that we make decisions and the way that we feel. We want to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. And we can't make this happen to ourselves, and so I pray, Lord, that you would use your word this morning to do that. Cause each of us, Lord, to humbly stand under your word, to receive it, and to so behold your glory, and to thereby be changed be here with us now lord all of us i pray in jesus mighty name amen when i was a child like most children i loved stories i was gripped by stories whether i was reading them in a book or watching them on the screen stories would just would take me away and i don't think i don't think that's a unique experience One of the best parts about being a child is that the stories never really need to end. When the book or the movie was finished, we would then go outside or down to the basement and we would play that thing that we just watched. Again, I don't think I'm the only child that grew up doing that. (coughs) My mom was pretty strict with how much screen time we were allowed which meant that I actually had to develop an imagination. And I remember the best year of my life in this regard was I was seven, and and through a bizarre set of circumstances, we moved out to a farm in the middle of nowhere for most of a year. And so my younger sister and I, we had this whole farmhouse and this whole farmyard just to ourselves. We could get dressed up in full costume and march outside without anybody watching, And the hedgerows and all the sheds and outbuildings and the hay bales, they could become anything that we would imagine, a a medieval castle, a Wild West town, Batman's cave, whatever. And so I remember that year, the the stories never really ended. There, There wasn't really a line between the stories we'd read about or hear about and then what we would get to go do with the rest of our days. But you grow up. You get older, and you don't do that kind of thing anymore. And one of the saddest things I lost as I moved from childhood into adulthood is this connection between the stories and the real world. And and and, and you, adults in this room, you, you know that it's not like we don't care about stories, right? We can stay up all night turning pages in a novel, or we can go get lost for a couple hours in a movie theater. But it ends. The credits roll. The magic feeling fades as... The workers come in to clean up the popcorn, and it's over, and it's back to the real world. But what if we found a story that was actually true? What if we found a story that didn't end when we closed the book? A story that kept going, and a story that we discovered we ourselves are actually a part of. A story that changed the way we saw ourselves, and saw the world, and saw everything. I got a little picture of what this might look like to have this kind of, to, to enter into a story that actually changes your world back in 2016 when Pokemon Go became a phenomenon. So I don't know if that hit Nippon, but it sure hit Regina big. Did it hit Nippon? People up here doing it very much. So for those of you unfamiliar, Pokemon Go is a, a game you play on your phone, but it uses your phone's camera And it kind of adds this layer to reality, where you're seeing the real world through your camera, but you're also seeing all these creatures and characters in the game. It's called augmented reality. And in order to play this game, you actually have to go out to to places in the real world, to different locations to collect these creatures. I, I never played it. I just heard lots of people talking about it. I was a college university pastor at that point, and... And and I had a friend who was a security guard at the university, and he said it was just bizarre. All hours of the night, there'd be students roaming around the the campus with their phones saying, oh, there's one over here, and going all over the place. And It it just was a a phenomenon. It it actually caused a whole group of gamers to actually go out and get exercise. Families were finding dads and their kids were spending time together as they'd go out together with their phones to go on a walk to collect one of these characters from a... From a nearby place. And it was neat because where I worked at the, the church at that point was one of the spots where on the corner people you'd come to collect one of these creatures. And and so we'd see people out there all the time on the corner in front of our building with their phones and you know and moving around and swiping or whatever they were doing. And all that we could see was our building and a lawn and our sign. But these people looking through through the lens of their phone could, could see this whole other layer, this whole other story. And they were interacting with it. That story changed things for them. And this is a little picture of what should happen when we open the Bible and read it and understand it. Because the story of the Bible causes us to see things around us in a completely different light. It calls us to then do something about that, to enter in, to get off of our couch and engage with this story. But the difference, of course, I hope you know, between Pokemon Go and the Bible is that one is made up and one is real. We really believe the Bible is actually true. We believe that the the world that the Bible describes is actually the real world. The world that we see with our own two eyes, the world that we were taught about in public school, that's not the real world. The real world is the story of the garden and the snake and the flood and the pillar of fire and the throne and the temple and the covenants and the kingdom and the prophet and the priest and the king who came from a faraway place to rescue his bride and promises to come back and be with her forever. This biggest story ever told. That's what's real. That's the real story, and it's a story that's still happening today. It's a story that doesn't end when we close the book, and that's one of our major burdens to communicate in this series is that we are in this today, and the more we understand this story, the more we understand our place in it, the more we're going to understand how much this story really changes everything. And so today, like Tim mentioned, we're making a transition from the first two parts of, of this journey to, to the, this third and biggest part of our series where we're going to be considering what's our place in the story? What do, what do we do now with all of this? But before we get too far, and knowing that many of you have been in and out because of different things over the past little bit, especially the past few weeks, and, and so it's going to be good, I think, for us to go back and sum up where we've been for the past four months, remind ourselves of what we've seen, and then be able to hinge into where we're going to go. So we started back before the beginning with a father and a son and the Holy Spirit. And we saw how back before the beginning, they planned out this whole story. We saw how this whole plan was grounded in love. The father chose us and gave us grace before creation so that we will bring glory to Jesus, his son, by loving Jesus forever with the very same love that the father has for Jesus. And that's what this whole thing is about. It's about Jesus receiving glory from a people that he's redeemed and that love him forever in that way. And that story was all laid out before the very beginning. And then there was a beginning. God created the heavens and the earth to display his glory. God created Adam and Eve in his own image. As his representatives, we explored how Adam was the first person who was a prophet and a priest and a king and how God gave them a a mission to fulfill. And then the fall happened. The snake snuck into the garden and seduced Eve and she then led her husband into an act of treason against the Lord. And in response to their sin, God brought the whole creation crashing down around them in, in a curse And yet, in the midst of that curse, God made a promise about a serpent-crushing Savior who was going to be born, who would come from the woman, and who was going to make all things new again. Time passed. Things got bad. A man, Noah, was born, and his father hoped that Noah was going to be the one who was going to save us. And Noah was saved from the flood, and he saved his family, and in some ways saved humanity. Noah inherited the covenant that God made with Adam, but almost right away, we see Noah and his family falling into the same kinds of sins that people had been doing before. Noah showed us that the real Savior was still going to be coming and what that real Savior was going to be like. So then God began a new work of creation with Abraham. He promised in a covenant that, that one of Abraham's offspring would bless all of the nations of the earth. That promise began to take shape when God raised up Moses to rescue the people from his, Egypt. And he brought them to the foot of Mount Sinai and once again entered into a covenant with them, promising to dwell with them and to make them a nation of royal priests for the sake of the nations. We saw how Israel fell so short of their calling. And so God raised up a king for them. And once again, a covenant. He promised David that, that David would have a son who would rule the world forever. David's son took a long time to come, and the kings dragged Israel down into the darkness of exile. But after centuries of that darkness, the baby was finally born. And that's where we've been for these very joyful last eight weeks, as we've seen all the ways that Jesus reveals himself to be the main character of the story of the Bible. We've seen how Jesus is the last Adam. Jesus is the father of a whole new humanity. Jesus is the offspring of Eve who defeated Satan. Jesus is the offspring of Abraham who brings blessing to all the nations. Jesus is the high priest of the new covenant. Like we heard this morning, he sacrificed himself to pay for all of our sins once and for all. Jesus is the son of David who brings the kingdom of God and will reign forever and is reigning right now at the right hand of God, just like Psalm 110 foretold. And Jesus is our temple, our true temple God dwelling with us in flesh and and now in heaven, the one through whom we approach God. We don't have to travel to a spot on earth, but anywhere at any time we can approach God through Jesus Christ. And then last week we jumped ahead to the end of the story. And saw how Jesus is the judge and the life giver of the age to come. We went back to Daniel's vision and and saw that Jesus is the son of man in Daniel's vision. Jesus is the one appointed by God to judge the world and to give eternal life. And to bring this age of human history to a close. and, And to be the one who would usher in the age to come. Or the new heavens and the new earth. And we saw last week, as we survey this whole story, how Jesus is the main character from first to last. But already, already last week, we saw there in John chapter 5, there was a sneak peek at our place in the story. We heard in John 5 how Jesus was, was shattering expectations because Jesus wasn't waiting until the age to come, until the new heavens and the new earth, to do these things that the Jewish people from the Old Testament scriptures thought that he was. In fact, we saw there and we read this morning that Jesus had already begun his work of giving eternal life to those who believed in him. Right there in verse 24 or 25 of John chapter 5, where we started reading this morning. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has, present tense, has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And this would have been so shocking for Jesus' listeners because they believe that eternal life was something they might get in the future at the final judgment if they lived a righteous life. But Jesus says, that those who believe in Him were already experiencing those realities here and now. And so, last week we asked the question: How is this possible? Does God just pick us up and drop us on the other side of Judgment Day? Like, do we just get a, a, a do we just get a, a, a pass just because He's like? Wh- how does this actually happen? And we saw that the way that this happens is where we've been this morning. It's, it's the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus stepped into our place and endured judgment day on our behalf. Judgment day for you, if you trust in Christ, is not something that's coming in the future. It's something that happened in the past when Jesus hung and died on the cross for you. That was judgment day. And so because our judgment day already happened, because Jesus endured it for us, we can receive the things that happen on the other side of judgment day, which is a righteous status, being declared righteous in God's eyes, and eternal life. And so this whole thing just just really changes the way, or it should change the way that we see these normal elements of the Christian life, and, and not, not so much change, but just deepen, right? So I'm sure you've heard that when someone believes in Jesus, they're forgiven for all their sin. And maybe you've heard that when someone believes in Jesus, they're f- declared to be righteous in God's eyes. God, God counts them righteous. Maybe you're even familiar with that word justify. We believe in Jesus, we're justified, which means we're counted righteous. But what we can forget is that this experience Of being justified, of being righteous in God's eyes. That's something the Old Testament saints were just hoping to get in the future. But because our judgment day happened in Christ, we can be counted righteous in Jesus today. We don't have to wait till the end of our life, we get it today. And I'm sure that you've heard that when someone believes in Jesus, they're changed on the inside. They experience new life. They're born again. I'm sure you've heard that phrase. But what we might not realize is that this experience of being born again, it's just the first stages of eternal life. That's what being born again is. It's being resurrected. It's the final resurrection happening inside of us, in our souls, here and now. To be born again is to already pass from death to life and to already be living in the life of the age to come. And so that means if you know Christ, you've been born again, you're experiencing something that the Old Testament saints thought they're going to have to wait a long time to experience. It's not going to be till the end of the age after Judgment Day that we get eternal life. But because Jesus took our Judgment Day for us, we get eternal life today. And it's started already and it's called being born again. In Christ, the age to come has broken in to our world and is at work among us here and now. When you put things this way, it almost sounds like science fiction, doesn't it? Or like a fairy tale. If you are alive in Christ, if you you know Christ, you are alive, listen to this, with the life of a future age. You are experiencing the life and the reality of a future age today. That's what it means to be a Christian. Try explaining that. Someone at work says, what's so different about you You know, since you believed in Jesus, well, the power and resurrection life of a future age has crossed the boundaries of time and invaded my soul and transformed me from the inside out. They're going to think you're nuts, but that's just historic Christianity. That's true. It's a fairy tale and it's a true fairy tale. It's really happened. It's what we experience And the rest of scripture confirms this for us. And so we see that in the verse that we read earlier from 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. Now I've heard this verse a lot in my life. I've had youth pastors who would use it all the time. And when we hear this word new creation, it's easy for us just to think, that well, people who believe in Jesus experience inner change. Isn't that nice? But that's not what's, that's not the fullness of what's going on here. New creation means new creation, it's talking about the new heavens and the new earth. This idea of new creation, of old passing away, of the new coming, is talking about the new heavens and the new earth, and new creation. Listen to these words from Revelation 21, 1 and 5. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. See, that's what's waiting for us. We talked about this at family camp back in the summer, right? That's what's waiting for us when this age of human history comes to a close. After the final resurrection, after the final judgment, this old creation is going to pass away and we're going to live forever in a new heavens and a new earth, a new creation. And the Apostle Paul here in 1 Corinthians 5.17 says that if anyone is in Christ, you are already a part of that new creation. Your old has already passed away. What God is one day going to do for all of this creation, which is take away the old, he's already done for you. That's why your life changed when you first believed in Jesus. That's why you're different than you used to be. That's why you don't fit in with the people around you the way that you used to. Because you are literally a part of a future age. You are literally a part of a different world. You are literally a part of a new creation. On the inside, in your heart and soul, you are already a part of the new creation. And all of this is what we get to experience today because of Christ. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that mind-blowing? Isn't that enough to get lost in for a long time? But isn't it also true that there's a lot that we don't yet get to experience On the inside, we've been born again, justified. On the inside, we've been made a part of the new creation. But on the outside, these bodies, aren't we still very much a part of this world? This old creation? Paul talked about that just a few verses earlier in 2 Corinthians 4, 16. He said, Though our outer self, our outer man... Is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. There's this distinction that we belong to two different realities. On the inside, we belong to the new creation in the age to come, and on the inside, we're being renewed day by day. We're going uphill. But on the outside, our bodies, we're still a part of this old creation. And like Paul says, we're wasting money. He's talking about aging. He's talking about physical suffering. About getting old and his body breaking down. This series is called You Are Here. And this is where we are in the biggest story ever told right in the middle, a part of two different worlds at the same time, already, but not yet. Now, let me ask you a question that maybe some of you are wondering about right now. What difference does any of this make? If my inner man is a part of the new creation, well, that sounds kind of cool, but what difference does that actually make if my body still hurts? If my brain still doesn't work the way that it's supposed to? If I still get the flu this time of year? If I'm still having to fight against my sinful desires all the time? If the shadow of my former life still haunts me? If I still have to get up and scrape my windows in the winter? What, what, so so what, what's the difference? I can't see my inner man. I mean, again, it sounds kind of cool, but does any of this really matter? Sometimes this new creation stuff doesn't feel very real, does it? What feels real is this old creation stuff that we're still a part of. And so that question, what difference does this make? That is the question that we get to answer in this next stretch of our series. For the next 15 weeks, we get to talk about all of the ways That the arrival of Jesus and the invasion of the new creation changes things for you and I right here, right now, today. And this morning, we're going to get a sneak peek of that. We're going to briefly look at three topics, three experiences. And what we're going to see this morning is the difference that the new creation makes in our experience of these three things. And this, again, is just a sneak peek of where we get to go together in these next months. So the first experience we're going to talk about is sin. So let's ask, in the old creation, before Christ came, what was our relationship with sin? Jesus tells us in John 8, 34, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a what to sin? A slave. Romans chapter 6 confirms this. Before Christ, old creation... We were slaves to sin. Sin had dominion over us. Again, Romans 6 talks about that. Literally, sin was our Lord. Some of you here remember what that's like. You remember when you couldn't do anything except sin. You remember when sin controlled you and dominated you, when sin was just the air you breathed and you weren't even aware of it. That's the way things were, okay? Old creation. Now, if we look ahead to the fullness of the age to come, the new creation, when Jesus reigns on the earth, what's our relationship with sin going to be then? Non-existent, right? Sin's not even going to be there. We're not going to have a relationship with sin. Many scriptures in the New Testament tell us, there's some of my favorite scriptures, that the sin is going to be a memory. If that, it's going to be gone. Okay? So what about us today, right? Right? Old creation, slaves to sin. New creation, no sin at all. What about you are here already, but not yet, today? What, where, what's our relationship with sin today? What difference does the new creation make today? Well, what scripture tells us is that when the new creation invades our lives today, sin does not get instantly removed. If you're a Christian, you know that. You fight sin. But what's changed is our relationship with sin. So Romans 6.6 tells us that because the old has passed away with Christ, that we're no longer slaves to sin. It's no longer our master. So Romans 6.12 can say, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make make you obey its passions. In other words, sin is not the boss of you anymore. Don't listen to it. Don't obey it the way that you used to. We're slaves that have been set free, and we need to be reminded, don't listen to your old master. And in fact, it's even more than that, because Colossians 3.5 tells us to put our sin to death. We are supposed to kill our former master. So what difference does the new creation make in our lives here and now today? A huge difference, Before, we were locked up in a dungeon of sin. But now the door of the dungeon has been broken down. Our chains have been unlocked. Someone has put a sword in our hands and they've whispered in our ear, go join the rebellion, make war against your old master, kill your sin. And so now instead of being locked up in the dungeon, we're out on the field fighting. That's a huge change, isn't it? And that's the change that the new creation brings to our lives today. There's a second change that we experience as a part of the new creation here and now today, and it's in relation to suffering. So number one, sin. Number two, suffering. So let's look back. Do you remember in the message on the fall from Genesis 3, right? Adam and Eve sinned. God cursed the earth. That's where suffering comes from. It's because of our sin, because of God's response to our sin. So the old creation before Christ is just full of suffering and sickness and hurt and pain and war and poverty and disease and natural disaster and relationship breakdown and all of that suffering. As we look to the future, the new creation, when Jesus reigns here on the earth, What's going to be our relationship with suffering? Once again, nothing at all. It's going to be taken away completely. Revelation 21:4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's what's coming. So what about us today? At our spot in the story, right in between those two, we got a foot in both of those worlds, right? We've got a foot in the old creation and a foot in that new creation. What does suffering look like for us today? Well, what we see in scripture is that when the new creation breaks into our lives, it doesn't take suffering away. Just like with sin, it doesn't take it away right away. We still suffer. We've heard Paul already tell us that his body was wasting away. He was experiencing the suffering of aging. We know he talked to Timothy, that Timothy had stomach problems and got sick all the time, right? Talked about his frequent ailments. New Testament is full of examples of Christians' suffering. But being a part of the new creation today means that our experience with suffering, our relationship with suffering has completely changed. Because suffering is no longer a hopeless experience that just reminds us about our coming death. Instead, now suffering is a hopeful experience that reminds us of our coming salvation. Romans eight twenty two to 24 says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not, do you hear that? Pains of childbirth? And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the spirit, groan inwardly. With the pains of childbirth, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies—for in this hope we were saved. So we're going to spend a whole morning and a few weeks talking about this. Right? We still suffer, but before Christ, it's the suffering of someone in the palliative ward, waiting to die. In Christ, our suffering is the suffering of the maternity ward, waiting. For new life. And that's why Romans 5.3 says that we rejoice in our sufferings. Instead of just complaining about our sufferings. We can rejoice in our sufferings. That's the difference the new creation makes for us today. And once again we see that's a massive difference. Third and final example. Sin, suffering. Number three. Death. Death. So in the old creation before Christ, death was the wages for our sin. And death was the end. Death was the moment when all hope was lost, even for the righteous. You see that in the Psalms. Death was it. And in the new creation, this one's easy, right? No death. We already read that. Death shall be no more So what about us today with a foot in each of these two worlds? What we see again is that the new creation breaking into our lives has not removed physical death. We're all still going to physically die. But on the inside, we have already experienced resurrection. And so when our bodies die, that eternal life that we have is just going to continue into the presence of Christ and that's why Paul could say in Philippians one twenty one that death is gain. Oh, don't we need to get that? That death is not the end, but that death is gain. That's a big difference, I think, from death being total loss to death being gain. Looking forward to one day where death will be no more. So these are just, in these three examples, as we've talked about, what does it look like for us to have one foot in these two worlds? I think what you can see is there's a pattern emerging. The new creation breaking into our lives today. It doesn't take away sin. It doesn't take away suffering. It doesn't take away death. But it absolutely changes how we relate to each one of these. It changes what they can do to us. It means we can fight back we can, against our sin. We can rejoice in our suffering. And we can have hope in death and treat it as gain. And so this is just a taste of what we get to do in these next 15 weeks. We're going to be considering all of the, as well, many of the aspects, what it means for us to be at this spot in the story. We're going to go back and we're going to talk about our relationship with sin, our relationship with suffering, like we've touched on this morning. In these next months, we're going to look at how, how do we read the Bible in light of this whole big story. We're going to see how being at this place in the story changes how we might think about even good things like money and family and marriage. We're going to see how the big story of the Bible helps us understand our priorities. What what does God expect us to do with our life? That's what's ahead of us in these next weeks. Understanding our place in the story and how we should then live. But I hope you've seen enough today to be hopefully encouraged. Hopefully maybe even amazed, maybe even overwhelmed. That if you are in Christ, you're already a part of the new creation on the inside. The old has gone, the new has come and nothing should be the same. So as you think about the next few days of your life. Maybe even just think about the next few hours of your life. It's very likely that you're going to be touched by the realities of sin. Probably suffering. Maybe even death. And I hope that this morning encourages you to face those realities of sin and suffering and death in the light of the new creation because you know where you are in the story. Sin's not your master. Suffering is not just a gloomy thing, and death is not the end. You know that because the new creation is broken in, you can fight, you can rejoice, and you can hope, and you can treat death itself as gain. And all of this, all of this because of Christ And that's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite the the team up. We're going to sing together now in Christ alone. And we're going to march out of here ready to walk in that power, whatever is ahead for us. (laughs) Heavenly Father, would you help us to understand these things? Would you help us to love these things? Would you help us, Lord, to delight in these things? Would you help us to walk out of here seeing ourselves in this light seeing ourselves as new creations, a part of the world that's coming. And would you teach us, Lord, this week, this day, and these coming months how to live as a part of us is still in this old creation. Would you help us to figure this out in our head and in our heart? Would you be honored, Lord, by that? Be with us now, Lord. Jesus, we thank you that all of this is because of you. And all of this is for you. So Christ, will you receive the glory from us as we worship and as we live? Amen.